Welcome to Traveling Cuervo. I'm your host, Valeria Cuervo, and in this week's episode, we're going to be traveling back in time to ancient Greece. But before we begin, if you would like to support me or this podcast, you can join my Patreon. You'll find the link in the description below or at Patreon slash Traveling Cuervo. There you will find episode scripts, you can request topics, you'll even find a series about the Renaissance, open only for my patrons. See what I did there? It's like patrons from the Renaissance. Okay. But as always, the best way to actually support the show is just by listening to the show. So with that, let's begin. I was staring up at the David when I realized that the anatomy of this ginormous male figure was a bit on the smaller side. Side note, I don't actually have a penis and I haven't really seen one. But I did feel like it was on the smaller side, especially when the West seems to strive for the bigger is better. I mean, men from a very young age are pushed to spend all their wealth on buying oils or pills that promote some sort of girth. Bigger is better in the West, but that has not always been the case. So I had to set out to find out why exactly are men in classical art depicted with flaccid or small penises depending on who you ask. People have gotten really mad at me over this topic, saying that they're not small, they're not teeny tiny, that the penises depicted in classical art are nothing but average. Now, if you would like to go argue with someone, I don't recommend you argue with me. I recommend you go argue with the historians of the world, because these are not my ideas, I am just presenting them. But okay. Let's travel back to ancient Greece, some 2,000 years ago. The ancient Greeks' ideal for male beauty wasn't a lustful lover. Rather, it was a wise public servant. Small and non-erected penises were associated with virtue and moderation. The ideal for male beauty in ancient Greece was, and I quote, a gleaming chest, bright skin, broad shoulders, a tiny tongue, strong buttocks, and a little prick. You see, the ideal man in ancient Greece was driven by logic, and lust was antithetical to logic. Having bigger genitals was believed to produce more feelings of lust, and therefore smaller genitals meant less lustfulness and more logic. So, to put it plainly, a small flaccid penis represented self-control and virtue. Of course, women also had their beauty standards in ancient Greece. The body ideals were as follow. They were softly shapen with rounded buttocks, long wavy hair, and a gentle face. I mean, in a time where many lived in poverty, to be larger and carry extra fat on your body showed that you had wealth and that you could eat to your satisfaction. Women looked up to Aphrodite, the goddess of love, sex, beauty, fertility, and Aphrodite was often depicted with a curvaceous figure, a beautiful belly, and a nipped waist. This, then, was the ideal beauty standard for women in ancient Greece. So it wasn't only men who had very strict standards. But aside from a man having a little wang, they needed to have a very athletic form. The Greeks prized nothing more than an athletic body that looked like it had literally been carved out by the gods. So very athletic, bodybuilder type, but with a small pecker. 
I do want to point out that this theory is completely bogus. Lust has nothing to do with the size of genitalia, but that is what the Greeks believed. A flaccid willy signified self-control, restraint, intelligence, traits highly respected in ancient Greek culture. Non-erect penises therefore reflected moderation. That was one of the key virtues that formed the ideal view of masculinity. So when a Greek hero was portrayed, he was most definitely portrayed with a small fork. Let's look at Zeus, for example. He's often depicted as having less than an Olympic-sized phallus. He's often portrayed as the epitome of male beauty. He has a small shaft that's meant to portray moderation and restraint, which is really ironic because Zeus is not someone I would associate with moderation or restraint when it comes to his lust. <laughs> you see, Zeus, the king of the gods, was a notorious ladies' man. He was married to Hera, but he had liaisons with multiple other goddesses that resulted with a ton of children outside of wedlock, like Artemis, Apollo, Hermes. He also laid with his fair share of mortal women, going to extremes to, in a sense, get in their pants. Well, I guess not technically their pants, because I don't think they wore pants back then, so in a sense, to get into their robes. Regardless, Zeus turned into a swan, and he raped Leda. And then in another instance, he turned someone else into a cow after their affair. And then he turned into a bull for another woman and even shapeshifted into someone else's husband to sleep with their wife. Clearly, Zeus didn't know when enough was enough. He was ruled by his penis. But that is not what his countless portraits, statues, and paintings are going to portray. They portray a strong man, athletic form, with a tiny package. On the other hand, we have Priapus, the god of fertility. Priapus was often shown as having exceptionally large genitalia, and Priapus was not a loved god. In fact, Priapus had been cursed by Hera to be forever impotent, filthy-minded, with a face a mother could never love. Priapus was seen as a monster, driven by lust, the exact opposite of the ideal Greek man. And so, you know what? This is kind of funny. This is interesting. I don't know if you've ever noticed, if you've ever seen a Viagra commercial on TV back when people still had cable. The Viagra commercial, which is meant to enlarge a man's genitalia for a long period of time, it says something along the lines of... Viagra, America's most prescribed ED treatment, can help you enjoy a more satisfying sexual experience. To avoid long-term injury, seek immediate medical help for an erection lasting more than four hours. Call your doctor if your erection lasts more than four hours. Well, you know what's really funny? This is actually a medical condition called priapism, named after Priapus, the god driven by lust. <laughs> So Priapus had been cast out to live among satyrs, half-human, half-animal creatures, creatures with no restraint, a quality obviously not seen highly in ancient Greek society. And so satyrs are often rendered with very large, erect genitals, sometimes almost as tall as their torsos. And I quote, big penises were seen as vulgar, outside the cultural norm, something sported by the barbarians of the world. End quote, by some historian. 
So in classical art, well-endowed satyrs can be seen drinking and pleasuring themselves with abandon, doing nothing with their lives but wasting away at drinking and, well, wanking. In Greek comedy, fools are often sported with large genitals, and I quote, a sign of stupidity, more beast than a man, end quote, according to another historian. Therefore, of course, the enemies of the Greeks, the Egyptians also had to be portrayed as monstrous. And what's the best way to do that? Well, by giving them extra long swords, but not the fighting kind. <laughs> We're talking about manhoods that would go up to half their body. And that's how you know the Greeks really hated the Egyptians. It's kind of the equivalent of drawing a mustache on your enemy's portrait. You're giving them an extra long penis in their pottery. So in this way, satyrs, fools, and foes all served as foils to the male gods and heroes who were honored for their self-control and intelligence, along with other qualities such as self-restraint and loyalty and prudence. And somehow all of those traits were all packaged into the idea of a tiny package. So the smaller the package, the more virtuous the man. Therefore, the larger the package, the more gluttonous appetites, the more lack of self-control. So yeah, of course, the Greeks were wrong about a lot of things, including the idea that the size of a man's genitalia can somehow impact how virtuous they are, how much restraint they can have, or whatever. But, you know, it does make for easy propaganda. Small wank means you're a virtuous man. <laughs> So thank you so much for joining me on this week's episode. I hope you guys have a marvelous day or a marvelous night. I'm not entirely sure when you are listening to this, but I bid you adieu. Goodbye.